This is the Savvy Parent Podcast, where lawyer and financial planning expert Shannon McNulty and her guests share tips on how to make smart legal and financial decisions for your family. Saving for college can be very stressful for parents. The cost has gone up immensely since we were in school, and it seems impossible to save enough given the continued rise in costs. Thankfully, we have financial planner Nanette Kamian from Cultivating Wealth join Shannon to share her refreshing perspective on saving for college. Nanette shares her thoughts on where education is going and how the costs may change. She gives great advice and concrete tips to help parents not only feel better about the massive task of saving for college, but you'll likely end this episode feeling more clear, calm, and confident about your ability to save for your children's college education. Nanette, we are so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. And Shannon, as always, welcome back. Thanks, Sarah. So glad to be here again. Yes. So today we're talking about a topic that nearly every parent has thought about, and that is how they will pay for their children's college education. And as a parent of two young boys, I'm excited to have Nanette here because this is something I think about quite a bit, and I don't think I'm as knowledgeable as I need to be. So this is great because as of right now, the cost of tuition is over $40,000 for a private education and $10,000 for in-state and public college. And that's a year. Like that's not total. That's a year. And that is a huge increase over previous decades. And we know there's so much advice about how much parents need to save. And we all want to give our child the best chance to succeed. But there's so many expenses. And especially right now, as we are still in the pandemic, there's a lot of um, uncertainty with jobs and finances. And, you know, there's not always a lot of money left over. So this causes a lot of stress and heartache for parents. So Shannon, are you seeing this with your clients? Yes, absolutely. This is always on um, on parents' radars. And I really was so excited to have Nanette on here today because I think she just has a really refreshing and, and um, different take on this topic. Uh, you hear a lot about, you know, and parents just being so overwhelmed with this issue, uh, both sort of financially and emotionally. And sometimes it could be good to kind of step a take, take a step back and look at the bigger picture and think about this in some new and different ways. So I was just really glad to have Nanette on here to to talk about uh, her perspective. Yes. So Nanette, you're a financial planner and you work with parents a lot specifically on saving for college. So what are your thoughts on all of this in terms of how the cost of tuition has just grown and grown? And can you offer our listeners any words of comfort around this topic? Well, luckily, I can offer a little bit of comfort to start out. Um, Actually, the rate of change and the rate of increase has actually gone down in the last couple of years. So it's not, it used to be rising maybe six to 10% per year. In the last couple of years, what we're seeing is that that has slowed down. And my guess is for next year, it's probably going to be a decrease or at least flat because of, because of the pandemic and all the changes that's brought about. So on the plus side, I do think the rate of decrease has, or the rate of increase has gone down. So that's, that's a good thing for parents. Absolutely. Well, that's good to know. And when you think of six to 10% a year, yeah, that's, that's shocking, especially for parents of young kids, you do that math and you think, oh my, I don't, it's just, it seems impossible. So, right. Yes. So can you tell us what do you think is going to happen with higher education and longer term? What do you think is going to happen with the cost? Well, that's a great question. And you know, what I try to tell people not to do is don't go online and and put in information into a calculator. If you've got kids that are under 10 years old and try to come up with a number for how much you should be saving, because again, you will faint or you will have a heart attack and it will be impossible because basically it says, oh, save another mortgage payment every month for each kid. 
so I, you know, I, I try to tell parents not to do that because I think over the long term, the, the rate of change is, is it's not sustainable. And I do think that we're seeing a lot more options come up. You know, online learning has obviously exploded this year, um, but I do think there's going to be more options for for students. Um, and I also think that the hysteria of sort of the the you know what college is your kid attending, what college is your kid attending, has is started to die down a little bit as people start to question: Is it really worth spending? a quarter of a million dollars on a college education is the payoff there is the return on that investment there. So I, you know, I do think that, that costs won't be quite so high in the future. I think there's always going to be those expensive universities in the top tier that costs a lot of money to go there. That's not going to change, but I do think, you know, when you sort of go down the rungs of, of, you know, colleges and the prestige factor drops, I think, I think you will see college become more affordable. I yeah, I mean, I know I'm, I'm hoping too. And yeah, as a parent of two kids under 10, I have done those calculators and I've passed out practically. So that, that does absolutely help me feel better. So what does this actually mean though, when it comes to financially planning for your kids to go to college? Because I imagine we can't just toss this out the window. Can we just save less? What, what can we do knowing that hopefully there's going to be more options, costs, will not continue to increase at the rate they have been? What does that mean for, for the parents that are listening? Right. So, you know, what I try to help people think about when they start thinking about this whole problem is I have them take a step back from the money piece of it and really think about what their philosophy is for how they want to fund and what they want to do to help their kids um, fund their education. Um, I call it, you know, my, my, th- my, my uh, college funding philosophy. And this starts with parents thinking about what their experience was in college. You know, did they have to, you know, borrow money? Did they have to work while they were in school? Did they get scholarships? Even though the the costs are very, very different, you know, these days from when I went to college, you know, you need to think about how you feel about these certain, you know, certain ways of funding college. And then the second step is really talking to your partner about it. Because most people who get married later in life and have kids maybe later in life, they don't necessarily know the, their partner's experience in college. Did their parents pay for everything or did they work their way through? And so I think it's really important for parents to get on the same page for you know, what, what they feel like they want to do. Now, that may be totally separate from what you can actually do in the future, but what is it that they want to do? Do they want to fund part of it out of savings? Do they want to pay part of it out of their cash flow while their kids are in school because likely their incomes have increased by then? Do they want their child to take out loans? Are they expecting their child to, to work during school? I mean, these are all the things I think you need to talk about ahead of time. And really, and I tell people, write it down, laminate it, and put it on your refrigerator. <laughs> because by the time your kids get into high school, <laughs> there's going to be so much hype and you know the, the temperature starts to rise. And I want parents to remember what they said mattered to them and, and what their philosophy was. Um, and then finally, talk to your kids about it. It's, it. it's it's such a big money decision anymore that you can't just tell your kid, oh, don't worry about it. You can go to whatever school you want to, whatever school you can get into. That's just not a smart financial decision any longer because then parents, the kid get, gets into their stretch school. And all of a sudden the parents are on the hook for 50 to 70 grand a year. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then all rationale goes out the window. 
Once they bought the sweatshirt, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, I, I laugh because I was living in California when I applied to college and thought I'd go to a state school. And I got into New York University, which is quite different and quite a lot more money. And none of us were prepared for that. But I had a fantastic education there. So I completely, yeah, I, I think this is really great what you're saying is because we need to look at our experiences, what our philosophy is, talk to our partners, and also include our kids in the conversation, especially as they get older and closer to college age. So I love that. I'm already feeling better, but there is the actual money and financial piece of it. Because I think yes. as parents, a lot of us want to pay for at least some or not have the burden of debt for our kids. So we do want to be saving. So we know all situations are different, but, and the bigger picture will hopefully be a bit different when we get there. But can you give us some guidance on how much parents should save or how we approach the idea of saving for our kids' college education? Yeah, sure. I, I like it when parents put a dollar amount as far as what a goal is for them to contribute. Is it 10,000 per year per child that they want to help their child with? Is it, you know, 15? Is it 20? I think those numbers are reasonable if you start saving early to, to try to reach um, through savings. And so, you know, I always, I always encourage people to have a goal because if you make a goal paying for, you know, a tuition that you don't know what it's going to be in 10 to 15 years, that's, it's sort of discouraging. So, you know, I, I, I think that having a number in mind really helps people. I love that because yeah, it, it's so hard not knowing what you're going to be trying to pay for, but it also makes that conversation with your kids a lot easier. If you know, we plan to have X amount of dollars per year to contribute. And if we don't, here's what may happen. You might need to work or you have to take out loans or we can't pay for X because we're going to be paying for more college out of our monthly budget. So I love that. Okay. That's helping me continue to feel better. Okay. So we know we have a goal we're working towards. Where should parents be saving this money? Uh, we know about 529s, savings accounts, CDs. I know we have listeners probably in different states and that there may be some variation there. But once parents have these goals and they're putting money away, where should the money actually be going? Well, I think 529. And savings plans are a great idea, especially if you live in a state that gives you a state income tax deduction for contributing. Unfortunately, I live in California and they don't. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's, that's not, that's not helpful for me, but that that's probably one of the best options for parents. If you do live in one of those states and, and some states, like I know Pennsylvania gives you a, a state tax deduction, even if you um, invest in a 529 plan, that's not Pennsylvania's state plan. So it's really important to learn the rules for your particular state for those 529 plans. Um, a great place to go to figure those rules out is savingforcollege.com. Uh, they have uh, information on every state's 529 plan options, um, and it's a great resource for parents. I would say, you know, those are, those are good because they give you, in addition to the state tax deduction, when you pull the money out, you can, you can get a federal tax you don't pay federal tax on the earnings in the account if you use it for qualified uh, higher education expenses. So you sort of, you get a benefit on the way in and you get a benefit on the way out. So that's sort of the gold standard. I would say the, the kind of account that I like to tell people to avoid is what's called a UTMA or UGMA account, a custodial account that's a uniform gift to minors type of account. And, and the reason that I don't really prefer those kinds of accounts is because depending on the age of majority in the state that you live in, your child could have access to all of those funds at age 18 or 21. 
and they can take the money and, you know, buy a car or, you know, go on a trip around the world. Or, you know, I've heard stories about drug addiction and, you know, really sad things that can happen if the child gets a hold of that money before, before they can use it for college. So I, I think it, they're, they're not good in that sense. And they're also not good from a financial aid perspective because they are treated as assets of the child in the financial aid formula, which means they're, you're expected to spend more of that money than you would be in a, in a similar 529 account. Got it. Okay. So that was one of my questions. So if it's in a 529, it does not um, influence your financial aid then because it's not considered an asset? Well, no, it is considered an asset. It's considered a parent asset. Ah, got it. Regardless if, if it's a parental owned 529 or if it's a custodial 529 owned by the child, it's still considered a parental asset. And those are only weighted up to 5.64% in the financial aid formula. Whereas if you compare that to the child's asset, it's 20%. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a big difference. And so if, if you are in a state where you don't get that sort of tax benefit on the way in, like California, is a 529 still your best bet though? Or should you be looking at other options for where to save? Yeah, you know, I still put I still put money into a 529 for my kids um just because I do like that opportunity to have the money grow because they are younger. I think if your kids are older, then, you know, you're not going to have time to realize that benefit of that federal, you know, that federal deduction or the, you know, you don't get to have you don't have to pay taxes when the money comes out. So, you know, I think just a plain old taxable account you know, or CDs or, or any sort of, I would, I would say a safe, you know, kind of investment account, because what I see parents do sometimes is they put money into an investment account when their kids are young. And it's pretty aggressive because they've got a longer time horizon. And what they should be doing as their child gets older is making it less aggressive and more conservative so that you don't want to have something happen right before your kids go to school, where, you know, the value of the account drops by 20%. Right. Absolutely. And you mentioned for, you know, when kids are older, where you might want to be putting your money, but are there any other recommendations you make when someone sees you and their kids are starter to closing, closer to starting their college education? Um, any other tips when you don't have as long to save? Um, as far as saving accounts? Savings accounts or even tips of what to do to to save the money in a short period of time? Yeah, you know, I think I think in when your kids get into high school, that's when you really start have you, you really need to look at your budget and you need to look at your expenses and your lifestyle as a family. I worked with a parent a couple of years ago and they were barely making ends meet. You know, they were going into debt. The, the you know, the husband made a great salary, but they were paying too much for their house and you know, and I I just not only can you not save, you can't pay for college because you, you know, you're going in the hole every month. So I think this is the time for parents to start sort of dialing it back. Don't, you know, don't buy that new car. <laughs> don't, don't, you know, don't upgrade that house. Don't renovate. Don't, you know, it, it, it's really time to start saving money so that you can use cash flow to help you pay for college. And I, I normally tell people as a rule of thumb, think about paying a third from savings a third from cash flow, and then a third from some type of either borrowing or your student working or, you know, some other way, you know, way to sort of fill that gap. Okay. And in that last third of, let's say, borrowing, do you recommend that it's the parents doing the borrowing, doing a second mortgage, or are you recommending that it's the child taking out their own loan with the parents as a co-signer? Yeah. So I often, 
Uh, well, I almost never recommend the parents borrow. Okay. I think if, because the child, the child should use their borrowing power through the federal Stafford loan program, the direct Stafford loan program, you get like 5,500 a year for freshman and sophomore year, and then 65 and 75 max in junior and senior year. And you can only, uh, I think this year you can only borrow up to 31,000 total for your undergraduate career. I think that's a reasonable amount for a student to come out of undergrad with. That's not too onerous. You're looking at monthly payments of $325 or so on a 10-year plan. I think that's reasonable if you get a job <laughs> and you, you know, and you, you know, and you and you are able to get started in your career. I think kids should have some skin in the game. So I'm not opposed to the kids borrowing. When parents borrow, I think one of the worst things that ever happened was the change in the plus loan program where parents can literally borrow the total cost of the child's education, whatever is not funded by financial aid. And all like there's no qualification. They, they're not checking to see that you can pay it back. It, it's literally if you have a pulse and you don't have any adverse credit events in the last 10 years or seven years, you could borrow 75 grand a year to put your kids through Harvard. And nobody's checking that you can pay thousands of dollars a month in loan payments when they graduate. Yeah. And I love that. If I heard that correctly, so you feel like that roughly 31000 is an acceptable sort of amount for a student to leave school and be able to pay that off, not feel too stressed. Like you said, they're getting in there working. Did I hear that yes. correctly? Yes, yes. I, I mean, I think that's reasonable given yeah. today's today's world. <laughs> Absolutely. But then it also makes me think of those careers that need many, many years of school and kids having lots and lots of debt. So, But I think that's a really good number that also helps us as parents figure out, well, what are our financial goals when we are planning ultimately what we're going to save. So you mentioned having a budget, especially if your kids are getting closer to college age, but this is important at any time, really. So regardless of how much money a family has, now we're talking if you have some extra money to put places, not, you know, you're, you're barely making your payments right now. When you have extra money, what should parents be funding first? We hear, oh, fund your retirement first and then save for them. Do we do both at the same time? Can you give us any guidance on contributing our own money, not what our employers are contributing to retirement, but when we have extra money, do we save it for our future? Do we save it for our kids for both? Can you guide us on that? Sure. Sure. So, you know, there's the cliche, you know, you can borrow to go to school, but not, you can't borrow for retirement. And that's, and it's a cliche because it's true. And I sort of take a little bit more forgiving of a path on this question. I personally am saving for retirement and for my kids' education, and and that's fine. I think if if parents are really if they're really young parents, like in your twenties, put all the money in retirement because you have so long for it to grow. You may not have to put nearly as much in later, and then you know when your kids are say ten, then you can start saving for college um, when you start earning more money. If you're in your 30s, I would say that's really where you have to, you know, you've got to think about this and you've, you know, maybe you start paying, you know, spending or uh, saving for your kids college, maybe a little bit more and and do half and half, maybe retirement and, and college savings. I would never say fully fund the college savings and forget about retirement except for one, one circumstance. And I'll tell you that in a second, if their parents in their forties or fifties, or even 
that's where I think it swings back toward, okay, you really got to save for retirement unless you are set. You have got to focus on it because it's the, the horizon is so much shorter. And I've got, you know, a parent in their sixties right now, and they've got a kid in high school. And I'm like, you guys really have to focus on your retirement. You can't, you know, you, you can't think about saving for college right now. It's just not, it's not the right thing to do. What I will say is that when parents are in those four years, or if you've got two kids, you know, a couple of years apart, four to seven or eight years of actually paying for college, then, you know, sometimes I say, okay, if you need to dial back the retirement contributions while you're paying out of pocket, rather than borrowing, I think that's, that's a smart, that's a smart way to go about it. Other, I, I think other financial advisors are always like, save for retirement, save for retirement, save for retirement. And I'm, you know, again, it goes back to the parents' philosophy. I, it's, it's the client's choice. If you want to do this for your children and you're willing to live on less in retirement or retire later, you know, those are, those are your choices. And financial planning is all about the trade-offs. Yeah. Well, I love that. You've given so much, not just good and clear advice, but I think really helped clarify what to think about and how to approach this and really just kind of calm me down. So I think it probably helped (laughs) calm down uh, our listeners too, because this is, it's a very stressful subject. So as we kind of close out this episode, what are the takeaways you really want our listeners to remember when it comes to saving for college? Oh gosh. You know, I think it goes back to that philosophy and really understanding what are you willing to do and what are you able to do? I think parents need to sort of, I guess, shut out the noise of, of the world. I, I don't, I, I wrote a book last year called crazy college money. And it, it, the first half of it is really talking about how to shut out the noise of the hype and the mania that goes on in high schools these days and really try to dial in to to what you feel and what your partner feels and what your what your child you know really what's best for them because it's not best for them for you to go broke sending them to school <laughs> so you know it's it's really about becoming very practical and very thoughtful about the the decision that you have to make and realizing that it is it's a very very big decision you know almost as much as buying a house is Absolutely. And Shannon, any, any takeaways that, that you want our listeners to bring from this conversation? Uh, yeah, well, I'll just pipe in. Um, in New York, there is a deduction for off of state income taxes, uh, which are pretty hefty. So it's always good to take advantage of that. I think it's up to $10,000 a year. So that's always uh, a, a big benefit for, for most parents in New York. So it's good to take advantage of that. And, and I think that a lot of what Nanette was saying really resonated in terms of like really looking at your values, you know, like this is not just about how much money can you put away in what count, account, it's um, what your, you know, what trade-offs you want to make, what you really value. And, and I think that a lot of the research has shown that some of these bigger name schools that are really expensive are not necessarily providing better opportunities that if your your child is ambitious and smart they are going to do well wherever they go and so i think that's really good to keep in mind as well when we were thinking about this topic of everybody wants to give their child the best but like nanette said it's not the best to kind of make yourself broke paying for your kids college and and as well at the end of the day your kid doesn't want you know, at the end of the day, if you spend all your money sending your kids to school, 
they're going to end up taking care of you because you have no money. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they don't want that. We, we don't they want don't that want from that. them. <laughs> we, we don't really want that either. So yeah, this has just been, I think, a really refreshing conversation around a very stressful topic. So Shannon, thank you so much for introducing us to Nanette and having her on today. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Thank you again to Nanette Kamian from Cultivating Wealth for that refreshing perspective that makes the task of saving for college feel much more manageable. If you'd like financial or estate planning information or to join our free community, please visit us at thesavvyparent.us.